This podcast goes a little bit long. I go a little bit off the rails, but in summary, if you're going to be collecting information and you're going to be asking for information, you have to realize that there are four things that you're uh, going to face. If you get the information, you got to do something with it. And there's reasons why people don't give you information. Fear of blame and punishment. Nothing can happen. Number two, nothing happens to that information. Number three, people don't realize it's a problem. And number four, if I report it, it's going to be make my life harder. So listen on. Those are the four main points. This was a response to Todd Conklin's podcast over the weekend. Enjoy and thank you for listening. So this past weekend, I was listening. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. On his pre-accident investigation podcast. He was discussing, and I'm Warning. sorry if the I got the name wrong. Adult language. If I got the contact. name wrong, it's because Frank, my hearing safety discussions and stories that might sound unbelievable. And but believe me, every one of those stories discussion? is true. It was on four we didn't start the safety war, but we are going to fight why to win it. Why is this relevant? For our families, for our communities, Even before for our workplaces, doing and for our my lives. organization, we were doing behavior-based safety and asking people to report things. And the nothing ever really got reported. And for it was for a whole host of reasons, but it really boiled it down to four different things. And Todd Conklin explained it perfectly, so I'm going to try to do the same thing and relate it to some of what I do. Four things. So here's the setting. You're in a refining situation, oil refinery. And it could be an oil terminal, it could be a pharmaceutical plant and everything else. And they adopt a behavior-based safety program. And they want to track things, leading indicators, as they say, in safety where you have to track leading indicators because they may indicate another problem where we can develop a trend. And we all know that it's all a guvna, basically. Uh, it, you, you're never able to really get trends. No, obvious hazards you're able to correct. Uh, behaviors, well, guess what? You're not going to be so easy to correct people's behaviors. It's not going to be really an easy thing to do. And... What happens is these programs get issued and they're good for a while. And then all of a sudden there's an accident. There's an incident because they also couple these programs with the zero accident, zero injuries and zero illnesses routine. And then all of a sudden someone gets hurt. Well, now we tried your program and now people got hurt. And because, and then it's like, well, if we report injuries now, that means that it's going to impact everything else because now our total recordable incident rate is going to go to Wuvno and we're going to go and uh, all that time and money and energy we just went into this new program doesn't work and everything else. But they're like, well, we have to get to the root cause. And as I always say, if you ask a question, especially root causes, you better accept the answer or you better be prepared for an answer that you don't like. And you don't want to be in that situation necessarily, but guess what? You got to be in that situation to improve. And that fear of, well, I'm going to get an answer that I don't like prevents people from moving forward in a situation. Prevents people from saying, hey, you know, what do I need to do to improve? I had a, an associate, a colleague, in a past life. 
guy by the name of Reed Buckley. You may say, well, Reed Buckley, that may sound familiar. He came out with a whole bunch of books on public speaking and speaking in public. He ran the Buckley Institute. I'll give him a free plug down in uh, Camden, South Carolina. And his family still runs the Institute. And it was developed out of the uh, Bhopal, India uh, accident, chemical accident that killed a lot of people and hurt a lot of people back in the 80s. And he saw everything to, uh, that the public relations nightmare, people not knowing how to be upfront with uh, uh, the press, without you know saying the wrong things, getting lawyered up, and making the whole situation worse. So he came out with this institute for training young professionals. I went there, and he was really blunt in your your evaluation for whatever courses you took there. Extremely blunt. He said, "Look, you're paying me a lot of money to do this. I'm going to tell you what your problem is, and you're not going to like it, and you may not really like it at all." So, anyway, I digress. The four reasons that Todd Conklin mentioned why people don't report things. I don't like the answers they're going to get, number one. Uh, but it's fear of blame and punishment. That's Todd's thing. Number one, fear of blame and punishment. So you report things, and what do you get? Hey, what are you, do, what are you reporting that for? What are you, that stupid? Right? And then you get yelled at and blamed. Well, you're the one in charge of that. Ah, blah, 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 blah. I'm going on and on and on. And now, all of a sudden, blame and punishment. My friend Dave and I did a act one time for a, uh, a safety meeting, and I set Dave up a little bit. I said, Dave, what you're gonna do is you're gonna tell me I need to put on safety glasses. And he said, okay. So he went in there and, uh, okay. So Dave, tell me I'm not wearing safety glasses. So, hey, Jim, you're not wearing safety glasses. And then I went on a tirade against Dave. I did this. Who are you? Shocked him. And Dave was like, what the hell do I say? He thought I was serious. I said, well, guess what? People, if that's the way you act, once one of your coworkers nicely reports something to you, do you think they're going to report it again? And then, oh, light bulb went off. Wow, that was a really... Uh, was it as it as your safety meeting for today? If someone's trying to correct you from doing something not safe, thank them. Don't yell at them. Right? And this is the whole thing: fear of blame and punishment. Second reason why at this oil refinery, people did not report anything. And again, it's incongruent with what Todd said: reporting things, and then nothing ever gets done with it. So they had a very good near miss, good catch reporting program, and. Hundreds of things would get reported, nothing got fixed, or was slow to fix, or you know, management didn't value it. So what ended up happening was, after about a year, nobody was reporting anything because they were like, look, you're not fixing things. So they put in a, started a program, well now we're going to allocate three people to go around and fix things, and report on them and get the resources. And they got better reporting with that. Uh, people report things more well because now they're seeing things fixed. The other thing is this. Your hazard may not be the same as my hazard. What do I mean by that? If I fell on a water bottle in 
an environment and I broke my leg, guess what my focus is going to be on my job site? What do you think that's going to be? It's going to be housekeeping. It's going to be that water bottle. And you're going to be reporting that water bottle. Well, guess what? A manager who has to deal with million-dollar decisions is not going to be worried about that water bottle when you report it. But guess what? For you, that's really important. So what has to happen? The managers have got to go out and say, look, why are you reporting housekeeping? What's the issue? What's going on? Ask the why. Well, because I had a major loss and this organization had a major loss over me tripping over a water bottle and housekeeping issues. Well, guess what? Now you have a reason, if you're a manager, to do something. Well, look, you know, this caused a major loss. Maybe you could talk with the guy, get a housekeeping thing. At this particular facility, eventually, they got so many water bottle reports on the ground and uh, housekeeping that someone, they said, look, we got to form a committee. And I was part of that committee. We went out and we found so many housekeeping issues that were major and would have been regulatory issues if things went south a little bit. And housekeeping became a major issue. By the way, housekeeping is one of the leading indicators during an OSHA inspection that there might be an issue. I've heard that from several OSHA uh, compliance officers. The other thing is, number three, why don't we report things? Right, Number one, fear of blame. And punishment, two, led to no, no value or anything. Number three, I didn't realize that it was a problem. So the worker or the manager becomes complacent or normalizes things. So at this particular facility, hey, this is the way we've always done things. Uh, we didn't realize it was how screwed up it was. Uh, we had uh, jobs or we didn't exactly follow the procedures because never been a problem before. And things become normalized. And that has uh, its problems also because if things become normalized, things don't get reported because it's not realizing it's an issue. This is where it comes into, how do we fix this? Where you get third party auditors coming in. Even if they're internal auditors, you get a third party auditor to look at something and say, man, that's really fouled up. Uh, I do this right now for a couple of clients that are in uh, more general industry settings, not refinery settings or construction or environmental cleanups. They're regular office environments. And they're like, you know what? That's an OSHA thing. We really have to have our fire extinguishers inspected every year. Yeah, you got to have them inspected every year. You know, there's a tag on there. By the way, when you flip that tag over, you got to do it every month by a qualified a qualified person, a trained person who's able to inspect uh, fire extinguishers every month and annually by a state licensed person. I had no idea. Well, I never thought about looking at fire extinguishers or having someone run through and look at fire extinguishers. Well, you probably should have had it done in the last three years because they're not four years out of date. That sort of thing. Didn't realize it was a problem. Placement of the fire extinguishers, putting them up, no, storing them, uh, all of that stuff. That's all part of uh, becoming complacent. Well, we're never going to need it. Uh, first aid kits are another thing. Emergency equipment, emergency procedures. A lot of these places, they don't have an accident management program because they're like, well, we'll just throw it on. Uh, uh, on their health insurance. Well, guess what? You really can't do that. It's a workplace-related injury. 
you kind of it's a workers comp situation or something like that and uh if when you start doing personal insurance policies for workplace related stuff it's a little thing called insurance fraud so oh okay really i guess we need a plan for this so they don't realize that well, that's what the issue is number four is the big one i hear this more than anything for todd it sounded like he didn't really hear this too much but i can assure him that this happens all the time i am worried that if i report something i'm gonna make it harder to do my job well what happens if you report something what does an organization do new procedures new equipment maybe all right now, hey new procedures now i gotta do an extra step or two now that could wear on a worker now my production is gonna go down or if i have to go to a training class for more training we're gonna do the shame blame and retrain thing i'm doing this job for 30 years now i gotta be retrained in it really right uh, waste of time less production bad mark i'm not gonna i'm just gonna ignore it or jimmy why are you reporting this stuff jimmy darn yeah, well hey it's an idea situation potentially that's why i'm reporting but jimmy you're reporting you know how much more work this is gonna be now we gotta do the dreaded paperwork and here's my story behind paperwork i heard saw this in another meme this week why uh, people value paperwork. It starts when you're really young. In elementary school, in preschool, you do something, you draw a picture. Look, mommy, I drew a nice picture. Look, daddy, I drew a nice picture. And now, oh wow, what a nice picture. It's kid art. You're gonna say, hey, it's a nice picture. And hey, I, I have bins full of kid art that I'm never getting rid of. I tell you what, I love it. But guess what? You're giving positive reinforcement. Then you go into first grade. In my day, they used to put the gold star. Oh, very nice for you. You get a nice sticker, Jimmy. You get a nice gold star on that thing. Well, oh, thank you very much, teacher. Blah, blah, blah. Me, my speech problem was so nice. Half of the time, I'd give a wrong answer. And they'd say, oh, oh yeah, good answer, Jimmy. And all my friends were looking at me. That's not what he said. You know, that sort of thing. And this goes through all through school. You have a grading system, A, B, C, D, or F, or E, depending on how they want to work it. And, you know, uh, an E was not for excellent, believe me. And then you go and in high school, you go through all this stuff. Good, And then now you go into college man, because most of the managers go to college. Don't need to be a man, go to college for your health and safety, man, but they go to college. And guess what do they have? More paperwork. You got an A on that test. You got, you got an A on that term paper. You're looking good. That transcript looks good. Guess what? Now you're reinforcing the paperwork issue. So is it any surprise that when a safety manager who's not involved in learning teams or anything like that, who thinks that they know everything going on in their organization because they're the expert they're the credential person and you can't tell them anything. And they're smarter than anybody else. Is it any surprise that paperwork gets thrown out, especially if you have an HR person or an attorney somewhere thrown in the system? I'm not picking on attorneys, I like attorneys. But what what, the, what is it, that paperwork? As if the paperwork all of a sudden, ah, you know, it's heavenly, that paperwork. 
is going to solve the pay. We're going to throw more paper at a problem. You know, why is it? You know, so you get all that positive reinforcement on paperwork. Guess what? Now, all of a sudden, you're going to be giving a paperwork solution. And now, and that's one of the biggest things, especially at the facility I'm talking about, was on paperwork. Well, we're going to add more paperwork. We're going to throw more paperwork and more paperwork and more paperwork. Now, at the end of one year, there was so much paperwork thrown in the system uh, for a, uh, a company with 10 people on 10 work crews. We, at the end of the year, we had literally seven cases of paper. I saved them. And now those have to be stored. Now they're getting, and everything else, that's where you started scanning everything in. But what, what, what's my point? You're putting more stress in the system because people report things now what the solution is. More paperwork, more procedures, new equipment, new paperwork. Guess what? You're not getting paid for paperwork. Like that famous book by Sherry Dusky Rinker and Tom Lichtenheld, the illustrator. Good night construction site. You're getting paid to build a building, to build a road, and get the job done load by load. That's what it is. You're getting paid to produce a product and bring it to market. You're not getting paid on the safety end. That's why production has more emphasis on it in many organizations than safety, right? Especially the smaller organizations. So all of this goes in there. Let's say you're working, uh, let's get outside of oil refinery and manufacturing. You're working for a small construction contractor or landscaping company. You're going to report something. Hey, uh, boss, we are really supposed to be using those spring-loaded metal gas cans, not the plastic ones that we have. We have like 30 of them on the truck. You know, how's that going to go over? And how many problems have we had with those types of uh, cans? So long and short, I went a little bit long here today. I apologize. Those four things, right? Fear of blame and punishment, reported things. No, uh, nothing happens. You don't realize it's a problem. And four, if I'm worried if I report it, it's going to make things harder to do. And those are the four things. I think Todd did a really good job. Maybe I expanded a little bit too much on it. But those are really important things. And what's the moral of the story here? Don't come up with a system that's going to rely on people to report things and for you to get information. And then you don't do anything with that information. You shelve it. Right? Or you make it difficult, make fun of people, do, you know, make the jobs harder and everything. It's a very difficult and don't ask for the information. So, and that's basically it, unless you're going to do something with it. And if you get the information, do something with it, be very gracious. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Olsen. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, 
recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.